you've ever dreamed of being chosen or being somebody or waiting for your one chance, your day has come because you have been chosen. Jesus will tell us today, you did not choose me, I chose you. So if you have your Bibles, join with me please, the 15th chapter of John, picking up at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. It's easy to skip over that. Think of a father or a mother's love for their child. What you would do for that child. He says, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Stay, abide, have a relationship we heard last week. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now, some of us get wrapped around the axle on that. Is he saying, if I don't obey his commands, he doesn't love me? Parents, if your child doesn't do what you want them to do, do you still love them? Absolutely. So just dismiss that out of your thinking right now. He's talking about how to remain with me by being obedient. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. You just heard that in the 14th chapter, verse 34. He's repeating himself. Love each other as I have loved you. Then verse 13, that I have used in countless military funerals and probably misapplied. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. He's brought you into the family business of loving one another. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we consider this mind-blowing thought that you chose us, so many of us think we are in your seat and that we chose you. Jesus quickly tells us that he chose each one of us. And he chose us because of his love for us, because of your love for him. And he loves us the way you loved him. And he challenges us to bear fruit, that is, loving one another, that is, telling others about him, about the opportunity we have to spend eternity in your presence rather than be tormented in the fires of hell. Father, I thank you for choosing us, and I thank you that we're able to look at this passage today and help it to refine how we think about you and how we might better follow you and how we might love one another. 
Hear this prayer, Lord, for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I ask my wife, and she'll get mad because I just said I ask my wife. Anytime I mention her, she gets mad, so I'm sorry. I probably won't get to have lunch now. Garrison Keller, the, uh, or Keeler, uh, Lake Wobegon, national radio broadcast. She said, nobody's old enough to remember that. Yeah, you're older than me. Yeah, some of you are. Yeah, some of you are. I don't know. He had a spiel in one of his talk shows, and he talked about the fact of being in grade school, getting chosen to be on the team, whatever sport it, they were playing during recess. And some of you remember that. I got David's eye. David's probably the number one pick, right? I bet. You were top, top tier. Your daughter's probably two. I mean, because I know they're athletic. And some of us, more like Garrison, were not always picked first. He writes, the captains are down to their last grudging choices. You know, in other words, the good ones have already been taken. They look at the slow kid. He can be the catcher. If you were ever the catcher out there, I'm, I'm not trying to beat you up. Someone to stick in right field where they never hit the ball. Nobody wants that child. They choose the last ones two at a time because they want to get ready to play. Hey, you two losers, come with me. You two losers, go on that team. In fact, they start trading us like we're a debt. I'll take you, but you got to take him. And some of you are knowing exactly what I'm telling you, talking about. He says, sometimes I would go as high as six choice. Six, you know, about nine, ten, baseball, softball team. But just once, I wanted Daryl to pick me first and say, him, I want him, the skinny kid in the back with glasses and the black shoes on. But I never got chosen with that much enthusiasm. Think about this fact. God chose you first. In fact, he had so much enthusiasm because of his love for you. Even when we failed him, he had already had a plan ready to restore your relationship with him. Look at this passage. I think I have it in there from Ephesians chapter 1. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. He didn't choose a sixth or seventh idea. Before he made the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love, he predestined. That's a big word. A lot of people get wrapped around the oxen. Let's just say, in love, he chose us for adoption to sonship. In other words, to be a part of the family. If a child is not a part, you weren't from your mom or dad and you get adopted, you are now a part of that family through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Wow. Therefore, we can say today, we are chosen by love. And that's our first point, chosen by love. I realize all this talk of chosen election, predestination, gets some of you spinning. Cliff's always been a closet Calvinist. He finally is coming out. How could God choose some and not choose others? Well, let me tell you this. Find peace in your divine aspirations by saying, I know you are not God, nor will you ever be. And how in your 
human minds, can you choose who you choose to befriend, who you choose to date, who you choose to marry, who you choose to love, and not think that God could choose who he wants to choose? After all, as I was speaking to Melody this morning, she loves to pick on my Calvinist roots, which if you know Southern Baptist life, that's the root, that is the Reformed tradition we come out of. But whether you say Calvinist or Arminian, Reformed or non-Reformed, those are all theological terms trying to understand the love of God. So why do we get wrapped around the axle? Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers, Baptist preacher of London, wrote this. It is a good thing God chose me before I was born because he surely would not have chosen me afterwards. Some of you are still struggling. Yeah, Cliff, but he chose some and some he didn't. Well, first, excuse me, Second Peter, uh, chapter three, verse nine, says something like, "I have it written down." But basically, God is not slow as the world considers slowness. He keeps his promises. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, well, how does that go with election and non-election? Well, let go of the idea of thinking you're in control of the universe. What makes you think you can choose and God cannot? Over and over, we read in the Bible that God chose different men and women. He chose Abraham. He chose Moses. He chose Mary, the mother of Jesus. He chose, remember her name? Remember, if you've been with me, this whole series of sermons from John, the lady by the well. Anybody remember the name? Church history gives her? Yes, Fatima means enlightenment, the lady of knowledge. She is the one who goes and tells her countrymen about Jesus. Look at verses 9 and 11. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. So have I loved you. Now remain in my love, for if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command, remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, be, may be stuttering today, may be complete. Well, peace, love, and joy are three things that Jesus says he gives us. John 14, verse 27, he talks about my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you, a different type of peace. In these very verses we are reading, he's saying, if you abide in my love, he's giving us his love. And now he says, if you'll take on my joy, you can have joy to go with it. Man, that's like the holy trifecta, right? Peace, love, and joy. And obedience to the Father becomes a source of that joy. We read in it that Jesus stays obedient to his Father and joy for us, I think, grows proportionately as we are obedient to our Heavenly Father. Now, I don't use that word proportionate a lot because I eat more than my portion. I don't eat proportionately. Back on the diet, blew that for the past week. Sorry about that. But I do mechanical things, and I'm not a real mechanic by any means. In fact, I usually break more than I fix, but if you've ever done anything on brakes on a car, there is a proportioning valve. And that valve 
slows down when you hit the brake rapidly it slows down the hydraulic fluid that goes to the back disc or master or, or drums if you have that it slows down the process of the hydraulic fluid so those back wheels do not lock up and you all of a sudden have all four of your tires skidding it's not anti-lock brakes it's a proportioning valve that starts off like that so i got to thinking about that if our joy grows apportionate proportionately to our obedience how about this obedience to love your enemies keeps you from locking up your anger your hate and your prejudice in your heart and keeps your joy flowing obedience to forgive those who have done you wrong keeps you from locking up a grudge or seeking revenge and keeps your joy flowing Obedience to share our faith with others keeps the joy of salvation flowing freely in your heart. One of the best things you can always do when you come to know the Lord, if someone talks to you about that and prays you through that and, and gets you to that moment where you say, I confess Jesus, is to go and tell somebody else. Because the more you tell others about him, the more obedient you are and the more the joy flows in your heart. Curtis Booth, and I looked him up this week because I had seen this quote from him. It's a story, a preacher story, but I mean, he, he tells us it's true. And I found out, because I don't like telling him and not knowing, who the, knowing about this guy. He actually pastored a church, in, a Baptist church in Portland, Oregon, but now he's a hospice chaplain. And he told the time about the first time he took his daughter, her, his five-year-old daughter, all 35 pounds. And I'm not really thinking that's a really big five-year-old, is it? Is that pretty light for a five-year-old, 35 pounds? Sounds like a smaller girl but he said he took him to took her to the adam league soccer practice you know the first time he's going to meet his her coach and there these 12 little players are there meeting their coach and they're kicking the ball around and and our our twins are the only ones and i think our culture's changed and of course where you grew up you know i grew up in football baseball basketball i don't think anybody played soccer we, we tried it once in high school we played it on an entire you know, football field, and that's way too much running for this fat boy. That's a lot of running. So if you ever play soccer, my hat's off to you and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, he took his five-year-old there, and he said, really all I was wanting to do was make an assessment of her coach. His name was Ray. He said from initial conversation, because you want to know. And I've coached, I coached one of our sons in baseball. Uh, you, there are those coaches who all they can think about is winning. You know, it's it's kill or be killed and there are some that say hey we're out here having fun you know and there's ice cream and donuts afterwards or you know whatever we go to the dairy queen when the game's over or sometimes you eat donuts before you start practice i mean it's just cool what kind of coach so you want to be somewhere in the happy happy medium there but he said uh, he had noticed as they got ready to play their game and they had uh, some white t-shirts and some had blue t-shirts he said and they were just kind of kicking the ball back and forth he said he'd noticed this child on the playground near the soccer field and he kept watching and he said he he was you know just intent watching what was going on he said next thing i looked over that playground and that child wasn't there he said and i saw i'm looking up and down the field and he said now i count there's 13 people out there and this little boy who he later found out couldn't even speak english had a white t-shirt on had blue shorts so he blended right in and he said and there was no one there to say he hasn't had a physical he hasn't Sign the paperwork. There's no waiver. And he said, I'm just kind of watching how it goes. He said, still making my assessment of, of this coach, Ray. 
And he said, eventually, uh, the little boy kicked the ball into a mother's hands that was there on the sideline. And uh, as he went to get the ball, he didn't even speak English. He's just kind of signaling for the ball. And the mother tells Ray, the coach, he says, I don't think he's one of ours. And he said, Ray said, hmm. Put his hand on his back, leaned down and said, let's play. And immediately there were 13 players on that 12-player team. And he said in his transition, as I would try to make this for you into this text, none of us deserve to be on God's team. None of us have paid the price. None of us could ever fill out the right paperwork. We haven't earned it. Yet in his grace, Jesus chose us to be on his team, the best team in the universe. God chose us by love to be on his team. So stop fretting about the term chosen and rejoice as Peter writes, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and enjoy God's love. So chosen by love, chosen to love. Some of you say, man, he gets simpler and simpler the longer I'm here. Well, good. Maybe, I, maybe you understand something. For those of you who keep saying, where is the free will? Well, I can choose to be a Christian or not. Well, ultra-Calvinists would say, once you have confessed him, you would be able to confess. I couldn't say no. But that's okay. I won't make that argument. Look at John 6, verse 37. Maybe this will shed some light on this whole struggle in some of your minds. And I'm not saying it's the best verse for this. But it's like, could both sides be 100% right? Hmm. All that the Father gives me will come to me, those I chose. And whoever comes to me, those who choose me, I will never drive away. Chosen to love. The question is, whether you buy into I am chosen and I could never have decided, what will you do with his love? Because you are chosen to love. Don't stand back on the sidelines and argue free, cho- free will, predestination. What are you doing with his love is the question. Now, on the trips back and forth to Florida, uh, Brenda and I, she had a training. Can't use the word conference. The government didn't like that term this year. So it's training. She went to this training. Wouldn't you want to say training conference? But she went to this training symposium, I guess you could call it that. And Cliff got to go along for the ride. So it was kind of fun, you know, hanging out by the pool, eating a lot of food. You guys would have had a great time. It wasn't quite used camp. I mean, you know, you know but it's pretty close. But... On one of the Southwest flights, uh, we're coming in, and, you know, don't you love it? You, you click, you know, I want my boarding pass now. At the minute that it converts to the time you can, and you get B-34. B-34? Oh, but if you pay $15, I'll get you up in the A class, you know, or the A group. Yeah, I'll take the B-34. Surely it won't be that busy. And, of course, we get on the plane, and it is. And the stewardess is kind of hunkered over underneath the baggage in the exit row. And she looks at Brenda and I, and she said, are you two a couple? I'm like, yeah, I have been for like 39 years. Might as well be, yeah. She said, well, you could have this. Would you like some extra room? I said, oh, absolutely. 
And Brenda starts to go in. She goes, well, who wants the, the window or the door? I'm like, I want the window. I want to be able to look outside, you know, see if the airplane's on fire or whatever. I want to be able to, you know, whatever. So I, I'm sitting by the door. And then, of course, she gives us this lengthy presentation about, you know, setting by the emergency door, which I've done that multiple times, multiple times. Um, she's saying stuff like, uh, you know, in the event of an accident, you need to look outside before you pop the door open. Could be a fire out there. You don't want to pop the door and run everybody into the fire. It could be an obstruction out there. It could be jagged wing out there, and you you send them out there, and they all you know get cut up coming down the slide or whatever. So okay, and you had to give a verbal, yes, I will. I I, I accept this responsibility. And I did it. Yes, I, I was probably the loudest one of the six because there's three on this side, three on the I just look like a stewardess, don't I? You know, three on this side, three on this side, <laughs> two exits that way. You know, you know. And, and the whole flight, the entire flight, I am pondering the task that she gave me. My comfort required a responsibility. And I kept thinking, wow, if this thing really does crash and it's on fire, how am I going to stop the horde of people trying to come and get through this door and go, no, you can't go out this way? Or, or will I be fast enough to open the door? Because you know how people are. They're going to stampede me. I'm going to end up dying trying to protect Brenda. And why do I want to sit here? You have the comfort of God's love. And you have the responsibility to love others. That's what this text tells you today. Jesus says, I have chosen you by my love to love others. Remember John 13, I think, did I put this one in there? Yeah. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. This is a repeat. So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And if that's not enough, I've never seen this connection till this week. I was going back and forth where he says, and I told you that it's 1513, where he talks about greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his, his life for a brother. He's talking about himself. John picks it up in the epistle of 1 John 316. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Many of us won't even be inconvenienced for our brothers and sisters, much less be willing to lay down our lives because of our love that we received from the one who loved us from the beginning. Oh, airports, I love airport watching. You can see people all different. I mean, people dressed from... You know, church dress to beachwear in the airport. And one lady, and I almost commented, eh, if I think, what's the creepy old man talking to me about? He's got a t-shirt. She had a t-shirt on. I even had to ask Brenda again this morning because I had it wrong. She's, I thought it said praise team. She said, we are all on the worship team. Think about that. Each one of you have a responsibility in worship to be Lifting his name up, not just in song, but in prayer all the time. We are to be like this latest vision statement that we have. We are to be with God, with others, and with a mission. And that's what Jesus will tell us because he said, I want you to bear fruit. He could be saying, I want you to be on missions. Whoever is Saul, he should say amen. 
He usually sits on this side. He's probably out getting ready for the next service because we have a service at 3. Is he, where is he? He's in the back? Okay. That's, that's, he's, he's safe somewhere. Uh, but the idea of telling others about Jesus, that is the fruit that lasts. And recruiting them to love as we have been loved will cause them to tell others about his love. Now, I had lots more I'd like to tell you, but I, I'm, I'll save some of that, I think, for next week. Um, maybe, maybe not. But I do want to tell you this. When I came across this this week, um, Jesus tells us that we are his friend. And I got to thinking, how do I know that I'm a friend of Jesus? Well, how, how do I know that? Well, Wall Street Journal published an article that said it is a multi-billion dollar interest industry selling athletic clothing. Although over 50% of the people who buy it never see the fluorescent lights of a gymnasium or a Gold's Gym or anything. In fact, they said since COVID, yoga pants, is that the spandex stretchy ones? The sale of those have gone up over 50%. I think it was 65%. But yoga attendance, those who go to yoga classes, went up about 5%. And I thought, is it the same way with our faith? We buy crosses on our, for jewelry. We, we perhaps have a tattoo of a cross or a, a Bible passage. We buy the biggest Bibles, you know, to, to, to carry to church. Or we, we download every app on our iPad or our phone to say, I got the Bible online. I got the devotion of the day. I mean, I got it all going on in my house. There are pictures of Bible verses and all that. But does anybody know that you're a friend of Jesus by your love. I've asked uh, Steve to come and help us sing a song that I couldn't sing. But I want you to be a friend of God's. He chose you to be. How you love me. It's friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. you on your feet. We're getting ready to ask the uh, praise team to come forward for a time of invitation. If you're here today and you've never chosen to follow Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity. Just come. I'll lead you in the prayer of confession to say, I am a sinner. I want to believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want the redemption that only comes through knowing Jesus. Perhaps you just want to come to these steps. There's an opportunity to come and pray. We have prayer warriors. They'll join in and prayer with you. Whatever decision you might make, won't you come as we get ready to sing?